Welcome to Sparks from God's Heart, the Hearts of Fire international podcast where we feature apostolic and prophetic words and teachings from the fivefold ministry of Steve and Vava Allen. If you would like to follow along as you listen, you can find study notes on our website at heartsoffireinternational.com, then clicking on Heartbeats. Remember, after Jesus appeared to his disciples on the Emmaus Road, they remarked, Did not our hearts burn within us when he talked with us and opened the scriptures to us? As you listen to this message, we pray that sparks from his heart will kindle a fresh fire in your heart as well. Now, here's Steve and Vava. The song that Joe sang, the statements that he made, the prayer that Dave prayed, I'm going to share a vision with you and we're going to, this is, let me tell you this, I'm going to share this vision, but it's an important vision for all of you to hear. And the thing is, is we're going to do a series for the next several weeks here because we feel that what we're going to share with you this evening and over the next few weeks is probably one of the most important teachings you're ever going to get. What we're teaching now is not taught in the churches. You've got to go to grab books or conventions but I'm going to tell you, we've been doing this for nearly 40 years at this point. And no, we don't have a book. We flow by the Spirit. But we're going to teach you some amazing things that are going to bring healing in each one of your lives. And we're going to start with this evening with a vision that I first had about this. And I'm going to say this was more than 20 years ago. In the vision... I was driving between Colorado Springs and Pueblo, Colorado on Highway 25, which is basically an isolated area. There's nothing there. There's no buildings. There's nothing. Just kind of desert looking with a few mountains in the background. And I heard the Lord say, and this is interesting because I'm the driver, right? I hear the Lord say, look up. And I immediately paused because I thought, I'm driving. Can't do this right now. But I just felt like he said, look up. That's the last time I remember driving that car until I got home and parked in my driveway. I looked up and I saw the heavens open up above me. And it was a circle, like this huge circle. And on the top of the clouds that made the circle were horsemen. They were angels. And they were riding down from the heavens onto earth. But before they hit the earth, they were fighting a battle. Because what met them halfway were every demonic force you could imagine. And as they began to battle this out, I watched the battle and I watched the horsemen, the angelic host, win. And as they came down into the heavens, or down from the heavens into the earth, there were seas of people. They were coming from every corner of the earth. They were coming from the highways, the pieways, the oceans, the hills, the valleys, every possible place that you can imagine. And they were coming because Jesus and I were standing now on a mountaintop and he was beckoning them to come. And he said, look, what do you see? And I said, I see people. And then all of a sudden his mouth turned into a megaphone. And he began to call the pastors in that area. 
to come because there was a great need of them. In this particular area, and I know the area real well, I lived there for quite a while. There's probably a church on every corner. And he kept calling them and calling them, and three pastors came. And they weren't real fast. They were pretty slow in hearing it and walking up there. And at the same time, he said to me, look, what do you see? And I saw them bringing people on stretchers, carrying them. Some were walking on their own accord. Some of them were bandaged. They were crippled. They were hurt. They were broken people. Some of them knew the Lord. I knew that in my heart. Some of them had fallen away from the church. Some of them had fallen away from the Lord, but they were coming, and some of them never knew Him. But they were all coming as He kept saying, Come, come. When the three pastors came up, He said, Go and ready your church. Bring those who heal back here. Bring the healers because my people are coming and they need to be healed. So the pastors scurried away to their churches and they brought each of them only a handful of people with them. There weren't enough. And those people came and as they came to where Jesus and I were standing on the hill, he began to divide the people that were walking. I don't think I've ever seen so many people in my life. And he divided them into each church to overflowing. And he told the ones, the pastors and those who worked in healing, take them and heal them. And they all looked puzzled. They didn't know what to say. But they followed what he told them, and he took them back to their churches. And all of a sudden, when they arrived at their churches, their churches were no longer a simple building, but it was several stories high. And each one of those churches had a beautiful red cross, and the churches became white with red crosses. And I knew immediately he had turned those churches into hospitals. They were all on different levels. And he took each person and he placed those that were wounded, that were coming, and he placed them on different levels and he assigned one of the healers to that level or one of the healers to do something for the people. Some of the people went to the ICU. They were in really bad shape. Some of them went to what appeared to be a preschool play yard. Some of them went to the top level, which was a university. But in each one of those levels, in each one of those places, were people who ministered healing of some sort. As they began to minister, Jesus walked around in the ICU and to other areas where people were in deep, deep need of healing. And he began to hook up his own blood in an IV and put it into the wrist of the person that needed healing. And he began to show those who 
were going to heal, how to lay their hands on them and how to impart healing and speak words of life over them. I knew that they weren't heal, needing to be healed necessarily of their physical body, that it was far more serious. The people in the university levels, they were being taught a solid word of God, not a happy Sunday word, but something solid. And as they began to receive, they went out and they began to heal and set people free. This vision lasted for over a half an hour. And you could hear the hearts of people crying out. But the thing that I remember most is the Lord's eyes so intently looking at each person with such mercy and such grace, but most of all, the power of his love. When I arrived at my home, I was shocked I was at home. And I couldn't imagine who drove the car because it wasn't me. And when I got out, he said, write it down and don't ever forget this. So I did just that. And since then, he's taken us deeper into healing of hearts, minds, wills, emotions, the soul of a person than I ever thought possible. At one point, I was so tired and so weary because we work such long hours. I told the Lord, I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm so tired and the people are so broken and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I'll never forget the words that he spoke to me. He said, there is no greater healing, no greater healing than that of one's soul. Because that is where the stronghold lies. Immediately, I wasn't tired anymore. <laughs> and I was ready for whatever the battle was ahead. And we've continued to work in this ministry from that moment, everywhere we go. So starting tonight, we want to give you what the three of us hold. You know, there's lots of things that we could be doing. Lots of good things. Lots of religious things. But we know that we know that there's a lot more at stake than us just being entertained so that we can enter into heaven someday. Heaven's a wonderful place, but God's plan was never that the church would be about getting people ready to go to heaven. The church was always supposed to be about bringing heaven to the earth. Even in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God is wanting to do great things here, not waiting till we get to heaven and everything there will be all right. I think what's in store for us is beyond our comprehension. If you think you're busy now doing the will of God and the work of God, you haven't seen anything in comparison to what we're going to do. Because not only are we going to be dealing with an earth, we're going to be dealing with the universe. And God created all of it. 
and he wants it all to be inhabited. So there's a lot to consider and a lot to be done. I know that the key to inner healing is a key that's been overlooked. What I really feel impressed to say tonight is that above all else, we've got to understand that the human being that God created us to be, we're not in one part. We're not two parts. We're in three. And the truth is, is that who you are is not who you see in the mirror. We are spirit. And who we are is our spirit. That spirit has been given a soul. And the soul is also in three parts. There's the mind, there's the will, and then there are the emotions. The spirit and the soul live right now in a physical body. But we all know that this body's temporary, that we'll have a body like Jesus had after his resurrection. So what happens is, is that we are born into darkness. We don't know God when we're born. And we're born into a world that has been taken over by the evil one. But God from the beginning had a plan to save us. And the thing that he wants more than anything else is he wants to have a family. And God's plan, he's been talking to me about that this week, his plan for all of us, there's all kinds of theological rabbit holes that we can go down and all kinds of things we can study and think about and talk about and argue about. But I'm going to tell you, I know that I know what I heard him say this week to me was the fact that his plan for all of us, here's his plan in a nutshell, he is making us after his image. And everything that takes place in our lives, everything that goes on, everything we experience, everything that goes right, everything that goes wrong, he works all of that together for good, for one purpose, to make us like him. And so the key to this is when we become born again, Jesus made it real clear that, that you're not even going to see heaven unless you're born again which means born of the Spirit, you've got to be born of God. And the part of our human existence that's born of God is our spirit, because God comes into our spirit, joins His spirit with our spirit, and we have a new identity, a new existence. But your soul doesn't get saved at the time that you accept Christ. Your mind doesn't get saved because we enter into a process with our minds and our wills and our emotions. And that process is, is that we're supposed to be being renewed. Our minds are supposed to be being renewed daily. In what process? To be made after His image. To become more and more like Him. He gives us the mind of Christ. But... We have to renew our mind 
to line up with His mind. We've got to renew our thoughts so that our thoughts can be His thoughts. And then the next thing you know, we're beginning to say what He says. But the problem is, is that before we have this spiritual rebirth, there's a lot of trauma that's happened. A lot of things that's happened to us. A lot of things that we've experienced, many of which are not good things. When we begin this new journey of being made into His image and likeness, when we begin that, there are things that have happened to us that block us and hinder us and keep us from being able to receive the fullness of this new person that, that we're supposed to be. And again, in our souls, our souls have to be saved. The saving of souls is not when you get born again. It's after you're born again that your soul begins to become saved. And then we have to join in that process. We have to come in agreement with it. And again, the more we seek the Lord, the more we see Him, what's it say? We become like Him. And so there's a process that needs to be entered into. And it's, as Varva said, it's the saving of the soul. And so a part of that is we've got to, to begin to have healing come in some of those areas where we have been wounded, where we've been hurt, where we've faced all kinds of things that have shaped us into the wrong image. The thing that stands out to me so much is the fact that God is looking to send tremendous outpouring of His Spirit. Every preacher in the world knows it. Many, many people know it, that there is an outpouring, there's, there's a revival that's coming that'll be unlike anything that we've ever seen before. What's holding it up? Here's the problem. Revivals have come, but for the most part, they've gone sometimes a year, sometimes a couple years. Some of them may go maybe to three years. But the problem is, is that people get saved, they get filled with the Spirit, and then they get stuck. And things that need to be worked out aren't. Healings that need to take place aren't brought forth. Because so often, the leadership, they're not healed either. And so there's got to be a change, and, and God is wanting to bring it about. I was reading a, a forward in a book this week, and it was written by C. Peter Wagner. Some of you might know who he is, but C. Peter Wagner was an apostle. He's gone to be with the Lord now, but he was an apostle, and he studied the church, and he studied the things of the church, things of the fivefold ministry and uh, revivals that were taking place and everything that's gone on in the history of the church, and uh, he was an expert on all that. And in this little article, his conclusion was, was that, uh, in his opinion, the main thing that is holding back the revival is the fact that the church isn't ready. And the reason the church isn't ready is because they don't realize that the, the absolute beginning of what God is wanting to do in the earth has got to begin with the healing of souls. And another word for that is we have got to begin to understand and begin to practice when people come into the church, we need to begin to enroll them and practice and, and help them to get healed and to get delivered 
So really, there's two words that, that are in operation. One is inner healing, the other is deliverance. There is no person that, that gets saved that doesn't need that. But again, the vision that Varva had was the churches are supposed to be hospitals, and they're supposed to be working in that area to bring about this inner healing that needs to take place so that the revivals that come will stay. See, Peter Wagner found two churches. One was in Argentina, and the other was in Guatemala, of all places, not the U.S., <laughs> and places that you would sure not think that, that anything major in the Spirit would be going on. But there were two revivals, and to my, my understanding, they have gone on for years and years and years. And the thing that separates them from other revivals is that they began with inner healing and deliverance. And because of that, they have prospered. There's one of these cities where this church is in Argentina, the percentages of, of, of Christians, it's like 98% of the people are born again, spirit-filled believers in this city. And what's happened is, is that they closed the jail down. Can you imagine? Because they didn't need it anymore. These things are not fictitious, they're, they're, they're not fantasy. This is the reality that we need to be seeing. But we're gonna to have to focus on what the problem is and how to solve it God's way, not, not how man thinks. And so the key to this is that we have got to begin to focus on getting people's souls saved. And when that happens, you really are a new person because all of a sudden you really aren't fighting those demons that you've been fighting all your life and don't know how to get past them, you get free. And then you get free to be. Amen. And when you get free to be, then the next thing you know, you really have this new life that you're, you're not looking forward to heaven, but you have it here on earth. There's one story in the Bible that really stands out to me to illustrate, I think, what, what we're looking to do. And it's in John 11. And it's the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. What you have here is you have an amazing picture of what God is wanting to do in each of our lives. Lazarus was sick. All of us were sick in sin. We were sick in darkness. We had no hope. We were, we were dead, according to even the scriptures, we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. We were dead. But Jesus came and he said one day, Steve, come forth. He said one day, Varva, come forth. He said one day, you come forth. But here's the thing that happened, that, that when he called Lazarus out, that was his part, to take what was dead and make it alive. But then the scripture is so clear that when Lazarus came out of that tomb, Lazarus was covered with grave clothes. He was wrapped. I don't know if you know anything about grave clothes, but grave clothes weren't just you put on a new suit. Grave clothes were strips of, of cloth and they used aloes and, 
and, and spices and all kind of things and, and wrapped you totally like almost like a mummy. So when Lazarus came out, he couldn't run out the door. He, he couldn't fly out. He had to hop out. That's how we come into Christ. We're still bound up. We still have, and here's the other part of the grave clothes. There's a napkin that's wrapped around our head so we can't see. And here were the instructions from the Son of God. Here's our instructions for those who are coming out of the grave into newness of life. Here's the instructions. Loose him and let him go. You can't lose yourself. I don't care how many self-help books you buy. Some of us have cleaned out the bookstores trying to figure out how to fix ourselves. He didn't say, Lazarus, here's your book. Lazarus couldn't even read it. He said, loose him and let him go. That's our instruction. I want to be loosed. I'm tired of still having grave clothes. See, that's the problem. They, they don't all come off at once. They, they begin to unravel. You, you've got to get them unraveled. I want to be loosed and I want to be let go so I can accomplish what Jesus has for me. And that's to make me after his image and after his likeness. Stephen Varva covered most everything necessary here, but just to, to add something to the tale of it. So you and I, all of us, have been called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. There's no more pew sitting. That's not going to accomplish the kingdom of God in this earth. It's you, it's us, it's us collaboratively as the body of Christ. We're here to touch people with the presence of God in such a heavy way and healing wholeness and wellness, and even as Dave brought forward, is our inheritance. And each of you can administer that to others. As we get healed and set free, it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect in this lifetime. That's why the Lord died for us, praise God. But there's a level of maturity that we come to in the body of Christ that in spite of what is going on, in spite of, we can minister that healing to others. And as we minister that healing to others, guess what? A seed is sown and it reproduces after its own kind in us. So as we minister healing into people's lives, that seed is raised up in us in wholeness and wellness and captivity being set free. So if we think that we can never minister until we have arrived, guess what? <laughs> None of us are going to arrive there, okay? Till we're on the other side of the veil. So now is the time to receive that healing from the Lord, but be able to administer that same kind of healing that you receive. 
because it's going to come back on you and heal you more. God is so good. Your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions have a lot of stuff going on, okay? There's a scripture that comes to mind that says, as a man thinks, so is he. Think about that for a few minutes. If you think you're a failure, you'll be a failure. If you think you're a success, you'll be a success. We all have been raised in different manners. We all had good and bad parents. We all had good and bad things happen to us in our life. But each one of those things leave a mark. The good and the bad. Unfortunately, the bad sticks out more than the good. And it's ugly. That's the healing of your soul. Tonight, you guys all get to practice this, okay? There's so much more that we're going to teach, but we're going to start tonight with practicing what we've learned. There's a very interesting place to practice and to start in inner healing, and that's in who you are. When you became a new creation, you were no longer Italian, Native American, German, Irish. You no longer had the DNA from your family. You became his child. You now have his blood running through you, his DNA running through you. But those generational curses, you can call them, or generational problems leave a scar. I asked somebody to demonstrate what we needed tonight. And so I'm going to demonstrate that with our dear sweet Megan, okay? And then we're going to break off in teams, and you guys are going to pray for one another. And you're going to do one thing only, and you're going to stay on target, okay? This can get real wonky real quick. If you start fishing around and looking for all kinds of problems, don't go there. One thing and one thing only at this time. And if you've already gone through this with sozos or cleansing streams, I don't really care. We're going to do it again. Okay? Here's the thing. We don't use a book. We use a book. It's called the Bible in here. We don't use necessarily sozos, cleansing streams, or all these other categories from healing ministries. And the reason why is because we had people take us through that that really messed us up. And I'll be real honest, they decided that Steve and I were married to the wrong people, and that I had been, and this is crazy, I had been given a handbag, right, by someone, and, and I knew it was expensive. And so, like, Lula has her handbag on the floor, I took my handbag and I put it on the couch, next to Steve and I, and that meant that I had a wall between Steve and I, and we should have been married to other people. That was because they read it in a book. Those books are good, and a lot of them are really, really, they're very helpful. But we're going to do things just a little bit different, and we're going to ask you to follow the pattern that we're giving you tonight. If you don't like this pattern and you want to do something different later, um, when you're working with somebody outside of, of this ministry, that's up to you. But we are going to teach you our way of doing things because after nearly 40 years of doing it, we've had a lot of success and very little failure in this. We like all of those programs, cleansing streams, sozos. There's, there's 
tons of them. We like them, but we also know that they're not necessarily individually geared, okay? And so what we feel like the Holy Spirit showed us was He had a plan for each one of you. He had a healing journey for each one of you. And He knows what's wrong. Yeah. So we're going to do that. So tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to ask um, Megan, since she lovingly volunteered, and the other one's praying. If it's Steve and I, it's the same thing. We're asking you to not, two women don't work with a man tonight, okay? The women, you need to work with women. The men work with men if you have a man. The reason why I'm saying this is because sometimes people originate things that it's good to have a mixed crew in the crowd, okay? In other words, multiple genders here, men and women. Okay, I'm getting myself into trouble here. Okay, had to be very careful, okay? Very careful. Okay, so Megan, we're going to work with, and this is all we're doing tonight, one thing and one thing only. We're working with generational and bloodline curses, okay? So all I want Megan to do is tell you what her nationality is. So I have Native American, Irish, Scottish, and English. Wow. Okay. Okay. If you know about bloodlines, that's really good. If you don't, you begin to ask the Lord, what does that mean? So I'm going to talk about Native American, and you can handle the European. Okay. <laughs> In the Native American bloodlines, one of the major things that they have is they have what's called spirit animals. They're something that each tribe, when the child is born, back generations ago, you're assigned a spirit animal, a spirit guide. It doesn't have to be an animal. I worked with a lady who had three spirit guides. Those spirit guides are supposed to help you in your life. They're not Jesus. They're not going to help you. The lady that I worked with had an old Indian chief, a young Indian chief, and a bear. I can tell you in the Native American heritage, the bear is the strongest and the lead spirit guide. When it's assigned to a family tree, you usually have problems, not necessarily in the beginning, but as that guide follows you down through generations. So she's Native American in part. Megan, have you ever seen a bear in a dream? Yes. Have you ever seen a wolf? No. A snake? Yes. That's all I need to know. Because those are some of the top spirit guides. She didn't see a wolf. That's good. She didn't see an eagle. Okay. Have you seen any other birds in dreams? No. Do you ever find yourself attracted to any animals, like a bear or a snake? No. Do you like them? No. Okay. Not after the dreams, either. American, we don't know necessarily for sure that she was assigned by that particular tribe that her family was under. A bear as a spirit guide, or a snake, 
But what we're going to do is we're going to cancel out anything just in case. Okay? And that's all you're doing. Okay? You don't have to have all the information here. God knows. She's had dreams about bears. Are they good dreams or bad dreams? I'm frightful. I'm Snakes? I'm terrified. Okay. Oftentimes when you become a born-again Christian, if you're assigned a spirit guide, it pops up in a dream. And it's usually because it wants to attack. Did the dream look as if they want it to attack in any way? Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. Megan, just say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I choose to forgive. I choose to and to release the generations before me. And to release the generations before me. For any connection. For any connection. They had with any spirit guide. They had with any spirit guide. That was given to them. That was given to them. By Native American tribes. By Native American tribes. I ask to be released from it. I ask to be released from it. Completely. Completely. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Take a deep breath. And let that out. What's the deep breath for? It's just a cleansing breath, okay? That's all it is. Megan, when we prayed that, did you see anything? It's interesting now I'm seeing a wolf, so it's just, I don't know. Okay. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. I take authority. I take authority. Over any animal spirit guide. Over any animal spirit guide. Attached to me in any way. Attached to me in any way. And I command it to leave now. And I command it to leave now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Deep breath and let that out. Okay? Mm -hmm. Doing good? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we're going to go on to the European side. That's all that you're going to do tonight. You're just going to look at the generations. And you're going to, if you don't know what's in that generation, if you don't know what that sect of people is about, in other words, I'm Sicilian, okay? So in the Sicilian heritage, we have murders, thieves, robbers, <laughs> false religious beliefs. Shall I go on? So there came a time where I had a gambling problem. I like to go to um, Vegas. And so I had to renounce that because that's part of my heritage, okay? It happens. These things happen. They follow you. So Megan had European. Okay. I want to preface this as well with the procedure that you saw Megan go through. That was a form of deliverance. And I want to share with you, deliverance doesn't have to be shouting and noise. Believe you me, the demons can hear a whisper it's all about authority. If you have the authority within you, and the Lord says, I have given you all authority over all the power of the enemy, you don't have to scream and shout. That's theatrics. That's all that is. It isn't necessary. You can simply say, come out in Jesus' name. If you have the authority and you understand your authority, that thing's going to scamper off into the abyss where it belongs. But in reference to the European side of it, I know it, with my culture, um, I'm from England, but in my heritage, there's English, Scottish, Irish, and Norwegian. 
the Celtic people are known for their fierce attitudes. For instance, Norwegians, we've got the Vikings. And in the Scotch, we've got, you know, picture Braveheart, okay, willing to do whatever he had to do with a sword, okay. So they're a warring people. I know most everybody here has heard about the the war between the Irish and the Scottish and the English, all right. There was constantly a war. Um, also, if you go back into the ancient times, as far as the Celts are concerned, you'll find what is called the Masonic. Now, for those of you that may not be totally familiar with the Masonic, it basically started out as a club, but what happened is it actually became demonic. They ended up placing degrees that you work up to. So if you're in the first group of degrees, say one through five, you're not going to recognize that it's demonic. But if you get up to 33, it is totally demonic. It's blood sacrifices, it's killing, it's murderous, it's it's totally satanic. And in the Scottish heritage, those things were literally implemented with, you know, the Masons, like block Masons, stone Masons. These were the Freemasons? Yes, Freemasons. Yeah, same thing as Freemasons. This was instituted with the the Masons that actually did stonework and block work and so forth. But even before that, it was established in what's called the Knights Templar. Now, the Knights Templar goes way back. Okay, and so we're even talking way back into Israeli heritage. So we have to understand that those things are so rooted back into ancient times. And we have to understand that when curses and things are said and placed upon cultures and upon people, they can exist for hundreds and thousands of years. There's a case in point, and I, I can't remember the, the Bible verse for it, but there was a curse spoken. And I know we discussed this before. Um, I think it was a a curse about David or something. Well, anyway, what happened is that curse showed up 400 years later in the bloodline. So it, it's not just, you know, how it says a curse is visited upon the children for four generations. It's not just four generations. It can go on for thousands of years and so it's, it's our job, since we have the knowledge to eradicate those, it's our job to destroy those curses by the blood of <laughs> Jesus Christ. So there are so many things that can perplex us that sometimes we don't know why they're tormenting us or they're coming at us. Well, it's because of things spoken years and years ago, many times, those decrees that were made over a family, uh, over a people group, their curses that were spoken. Now with the, the Celtic, 
instead of having like spirit guide animals and so forth, they were more into uh, forms of witchcraft. In other words, using potions, lotions, poisons. Um, they were used to using amulets, uh, amulets meaning like jewelry um, that would have curses attached to them. They would have what you would call fetishes, in other words, objects that they would pray over certain types of crosses. You hear like the Celtic cross, you know, not all crosses are holy. Okay, a lot of them are very unholy, and they are attachments to the demonic realm. So we have to be very careful even what crosses we have in our lives. So there can be fetishes and, and things that are even handed down, say from grandmothers, great-grandpa. You know, all of a sudden you find, oh, there was a gem handed down, and uncle so-and-so handed it down. Well, you don't know if there's a Masonic curse attached to that because many times they would say whoever receives this has a curse over their whole family, their children, and, and see, you don't know that. So we have to make sure that we, we all walk through these things because we don't know what's going on in the generations. Let, let me interject something, okay? Some of the stuff that we're giving you tonight, we've had to learn the hard way. And each one of us, in the three of us, have worked with very interesting individuals. So we have learned some things about darkness that you're not going to get from other people. In other words words that are used, fetishes that are used, crosses that are used. My forte is the demonic. <laughs> the way I learned it, I worked with a high shaman priest, a voodoo priest, and a vampire. And they were very good at teaching. They were all Christians, except one, the shaman wasn't, but she became a Christian. But God took us all on journeys. So the stuff that we're giving you, some of you are going, well, I don't think that means that. Let me tell you something. We didn't get it out of like our heads. We had to work in spaces to learn some of the darkest stuff that you can imagine. So grab on to this. We're not expecting all of you to go as deep as we did. We went there because we had to learn how to not only do this and use the help that we were given to get other people free, but we learned this so that we could teach others. In other words, my job assignment was the shaman. In order to work with the shaman, I had to talk to the voodoo priest and the sorcerer to find out about the curses that were on this person's life. And at that point, I was almost sure that those things didn't really exist. But they do. Vampires are real. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying this so that you don't think that we're just like pulling words out and, and coming up with, with silly stuff. What we're telling you tonight is, is really very real and it's very true. And it's not something that you're going to get at the local conference, okay? You're just not. We spent years getting this information, okay? And I think for most of us, the three of us, this is not something that you do publicly unless you're in a small group like this because we can contain what we're doing, okay? Vows and oaths, that's very entrenched in the European uh, cultures. 
a lot of spoken words over families and people in the families, over the firstborn. So we, we have to be very careful about what's in our bloodline. You know, we, we've got to really be prayed up, prayed over, ministered to. I know for myself over the years, and it's an ongoing process lots of times, the Lord will peel you like an onion. <laughs> And if he loaded you all at once, you'd probably be like, oh my gosh, this is too much, you know. But he's so gracious that he will help you through things. Um, I know for me, uh, my mother was what they called the high matriarch or high priestess in the what they called the Daughters of Scotia, which is the Freemasonry part for women. Well, she was called a chief daughter. And I didn't know the effect that that had in my life until I went through deliverance and I went through inner healing because that causes those things, when those curses are said, spoken, or placed over you, it does things like cause fear, serious fear. It causes intimidation. It's anything that the enemy would do, anything negative. um, The enemy is at the basis of it. And so we've got to make sure that we get those things driven out of our lives. And then that brings that inner healing. So for you, Megan, okay, you, um, I'm going to ask you to renounce any practices in reference to using amulets, uh, fetishes, witchcraft, um, any demonic curses that were placed on your bloodline. So I'm going to ask you to renounce, say, Father God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Any any demonic activity, curse, amulets, forms of witchcraft, and anything spoken over the generations, we cancel in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And now, breathe in and release that. Thank you, Lord. Simple. Here's the thing. What we're showing you tonight is like deeper than what you have to know to do this. Okay, but we're explaining it. This is why you're doing this, because these are the things that are attached to it. Freemasons, spirit guides, whatever. Okay, sometimes you're not going to know all that. So let's just say you guys over here. Okay, you're part Scottish. Okay, so I don't know anything about the Scots. So all I would simply say is, okay, so let's ask the Lord to release you from anything that's not of God in that heritage. And then while I'm praying for you guys to be released, if the Lord shows me a picture, let's say I see a Masonic temple or a Masonic symbol, I'll say, oh, let's also ask the Lord to release you from any kind of attachment to Freemasons or the Masonic belief. If I was praying, let's say for Lula, okay? I know Lula is from Mexico. So let's say I know nothing more about it, okay? I would just... Ask her to, let's pray together. So just say this one thing. Father, in the name of Jesus, Jesus. 
I ask you to release me. I ask you to release me from any demonic attachment. From any demonic attachment to the Mexican heritage. To the Mexican heritage. And then I would pause and I would wait because you're all walking by a spirit if the Lord shows you something else. So in her, I immediately saw a spirit guide. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you release me from any spirit guide that's attached to my life. In Jesus' name. Take a deep breath and let it all out. And you're done. Okay? With all of you, there's a filling up that has to occur. Like Dave said, you can't just leave the house empty. Go ahead. All right, for Megan. All right, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We fill her now. We fill me now. With the power and presence. With the power and presence. Of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that her house is full. Thank you that her house is full. And there's no room for any demonic entry. And there's no room for any demonic entry. Whatsoever. Whatsoever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And also, um, I, I normally would say uh, for you to say, I am covered with the blood of the Lamb. I am covered with the blood of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. And acceptable in the in. The Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And acceptable in the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. You don't have to have specific wording in these prayers. It's You're going to be led of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So I would just do all three of you together. I would just say, Father. Father. Fill us with your Spirit. To overflowing. That our house is full. And that you are protecting us always. And I thank you for that, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. It's not as hard. It's, it's, this, you don't need to make it difficult. We're giving you the information so you can understand why we're doing this. Why we're going after this stuff. There are some people, like Dave said, they get saved. They get set free instantly. But that's rare. The majority of people even that get saved and set free instantly, and Megan is one of those people who really didn't even know that much about the Lord, but got delivered of all kinds of stuff in an instant, basically. There are things that have crept over this past year that she's brought to us and said, she told us earlier that she had a dream about a bear, and I went, really? What's your heritage? And she went, Native American. Well, she didn't She didn't say Native American at first. She went, Irish, English, Scottish, and I said, are you Native American? And she said, yeah. And I went, okay, we'll be dealing with you tonight. What's interesting is that the dream wasn't like last night or the day before, and I had shared a dream before. It's It was a dream that I wrote down. I knew I was going to bring up and submit to them, because I usually do. And today I felt like bringing it up, so it's all intentional. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. We don't want to do this all night long, but we do feel this is important, so we're going to hold you just a little bit longer. Here's all you're going to do. You're going to break off in groups, okay? I would prefer, like, if your husband and wife work as a team, okay, and find a third person to work with. We're going to walk around and kind of scout people, okay? 
Do not go into long lengthy things. You've got about a five minute window, five minutes, that's all you need for each person you're working with. And you're gonna go, oh, that's not enough time. Let me tell you something, I just talked for less than five minutes, okay? Five minutes goes not like that. It's actually a lot longer than you think, okay? Thank you for listening to our podcast, Sparks from God's Heart. We hope his words kindle some fresh fire in your heart today. Remember, all the teaching notes and other podcasts can be found at heartsoffireinternational.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe. Stephen Varva would love to hear from you.